Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. You're very welcome to the Big Red Bench this bank holiday Saturday. Big show on the way. We have reaction to Cork win over Louth in the qualifiers. John Cleary and Mickey Hart give their thoughts on that. Jim McCarthy also joins us. He was in Porky Cueve, lads. I'm a bag of nerves because there's about four and a half minutes left and Kerry are three points behind Antrim in the Joe McDonough Cup final uh, in Croke Park. So we'll keep an eye on that for the next couple of minutes. Uh, later on, we will hear from Tom Savage after Munster's loss last night. It's the end of the Van Gran era. He he talks us through all of that and Lee Maher tells us all about the International Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup here in Cork over the next week that's all coming up before 7 Aidan Lee here with you until 7pm on Cork's Red FM. Lads, Kerry were dead and buried. They were dead and buried. They're after clawing it back. They're four points down now with a chance going over. Has it gone over the bar? It has gone over the bar. So there's only three points in it now. Uh, of course, the winners play. They host Cork in the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals. And uh, yeah, I have to say, I, I, I think Cork in Tralee for an All-Ireland quarterfinal would be an unbelievable occasion. Three points in it. 5-20 to 3-23. What a match. Um, I know a lot of people from my own club in Kerry are gone up to it. My father's in Croke Park watching it. And uh, I'd say he's, uh, I don't think there's many fingernails left. It's, oh, and after nailing another one so it's looking ominous now for Kerry with 72 almost 73 minutes played and three more left of added time so we'll keep a quick eye on that after that of course it's Brian Cody against Henry Shefflin on the sideline Kilkenny and Galway renewing their rivalry in the Leinster final throw in is at 7pm before we get back to all the rest of the GA just a few bits to tidy up on um the news today from the world of football former Manchester United striker Carlos Tevez retired at the age of 38 two time Premier League winner uh, also played for Man City of course West Ham Juventus etc won plenty and plenty of trophies uh, the Argentinian forward finished his career up at his boyhood club Boca Juniors um, of course was part of that uh, Juventus Champions League final run as well uh, a couple of years ago uh, I think they lost to Barcelona in the final but uh, yeah played in, played in many a Champions League final won one of course with United um, the Republic of Ireland what is it with the Nations League we just can't win a game uh, beaten 1-0 away to Armenia uh, Edward Sportsian with a long range effort after 75 minutes just all these long range goals are going in in off the post off Cuevin Keller's post uh, really unlucky you know, there, was, there was no saving it really um, and from after scoring an unbelievable point there that's game over I'd say anyway uh, but yeah Ireland's search for a first ever victory in that competition continues um, elsewhere Danny Murphy is taking charge of his first game as a Cork City women's boss of course they're down at the cross uh, hosting uh, Piemont United um, that game kicked off at 5 and unfortunately with 50 minutes gone they're 4-0 down but um, 
look a new regime there and uh, best of luck to Danny and hopefully we'll hear from him on tomorrow's show which I will also be on uh, because Rory is running the half marathon in, in Cork so uh, the very best of luck to him I hear he's his own uh, team of doctors running after him as well all day so uh, yeah best of luck to him and uh, we, we might we might see I might give him a phone call if he's not after collapsing after after the, the half marathon tomorrow uh, in golf Rory McIlroy is three shots off the lead heading into the third round at the Memorial Tournament he's just after teeing off I think five under par Cameron Smith was the man to catch on eight under Shane Lowry is on the course at the moment uh, in tennis Eva Sviancek won the women's final at the French Open she defeated American teenager Coco Goff at Roland Garros in straight sets um, and in rugby Leinster booked their place in the semi-finals of the URC they had a huge win over the Glasgow Warriors 76-14 Holy moly, uh, the Bulls uh, booked their place in the next round with a 30-point to 27 win over fellow South Africans, the Sharks. Um, 20 seconds left in Croke Park, 37 points to 33, 522 to 324, and a long-range effort in an attempt to get an insurance score for Antrim has gone wide. Still just the goal in it, 10 seconds to go. Kerry must launch it long. Louis D, the goal he does, he took the short puck out and didn't drive it too long I have to say drops it in between the 65 and 45 Kerry scrambling for it have they got it up they've drove, driven it into the full forward line at least there's a serious chance here for a goal he's gone from this oh it's in the back of the net oh what a goal that is Podge Boyle has rescued it for Kerry oh it's still not enough 37 points to 36 sorry uh, oh mother what a finish that is has the referee called it back He's given a penalty. I think he's after disallowing the goal, is he? Oh, he's blown it up. It's all over. What a finish it is to the Joe McDonough Cup final. Oh, I was looking at the scoreboard. I thought there was three points in it. The referee blows it straight away. He doesn't even give a chance to, to win the puck out after an unbelievable goal from Podge Boyle. Uh, but yeah, Cork now will have to travel. And tell you, he would have rather if Kerry won that because now you have to travel all the ways up to uh, up to Antrim and um, he'll have to play them in the... In uh, St John's Club, uh, the name is after escaping me. I was I was actually there when I was fourteen for the Fela, but yeah, it's a long trip, Eddie. You know, you could have been coming to Tralee. Oh, that is a sickener. One point loss, and uh, it'll be Kerry hosting Wexford now in the uh, All Ireland quarter final. Um, what a finish that is! Very unlucky, Darren Gleeson. Uh, he's done a he's done a great job with those Antrim hurlers. In fairness, but uh, for a game where Kerry were down by twelve points at one stage, oh, what a finish! Anyway, sorry, I'm going to have to calm myself down here now. I'm going to have to go a bit into a bit of audio and relax myself. 5.22 to 4.24, the final score in Croke Park. And uh, what a way to warm up the crowd for the Leinster final after that. Um, oh, Anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into to today's game in Parky Cueve. Of course, Cork, 2.12 to 2.8 winners over Louth. Um, they'll be joined by Mayo because they beat uh, Monaghan in McHale Park 113-12 to 12 points Killing O'Connor's uh, penalty helping them past Seamus McEnany's men and uh, the game between Clare and Meath has just thrown in at Cusack Park awfully progressed the semi-finals of the Chelsea Cup they beat New York 317-11 to 11 points so let's react to Cork's win over Louth it's actually it's a huge win huge win for the Cork footballers we, myself and John McCarthy were saying it to get a win this year would be massive and that's exactly what they did let's hear from the interim boss John Cleary I suppose in the end it was relief you know um, 
like they made it very hard Loke made it very hard for us in, in, in the first half and maybe we didn't cope uh, as well as we should have uh, we ended up going to corners and we just um, you know they defended very very deep we expected them to be defensive but they had 15 inside the 45 and um, you know we said at half time we just have to be patient and um, you know as long as we kept the point or two ahead I always felt that we had um, you know we didn't have to go chasing the game it was up to them to come out and, and, and then at that stage and I felt, you know, maybe at times we, we, we took the decision not to take it into tackle maybe and not to take it in and give it away. And uh, we, we just said, Des, look, at some stage, they, they won't be able to keep that going all the time and they, they may tire. And, and I think maybe that's what happened. And look, when we got in for a goal there, we maybe thought that was it. And the second goal definitely looked like it... it, it We'd, 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 we'd win it handy enough in the end but um, you know we let them back into the, the, the game in the end and they pushed up on us like and I suppose maybe they might have a few regrets like if they pushed up earlier where it would have taken them and, and maybe it would have been a much better spectacle for everyone but um, look I suppose the main thing now is we got over the line and, and it was relief and you know we, we'll just see what happens next week um, what positives did you take out of the final quarter? I mean, you got some very well taken goals, and you got your scores. We did finally find a bit of space. Is that something to build on? It is, yeah. I, I suppose. Look. We're not used to playing against, particularly you know that type of ultra defensive, you know, in the league. We played Derry, and and uh, you know it, it, it probably wasn't as defensive as that. And uh, we just found it hard to break down. And you know, here in Munster, probably you know you're playing teams that that they might be a bit defensive, but nothing as 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 defensive as that. And it, it was up to us. And, and I thought, look. You know, or or two goals. We we just kept probing and kept probing. Our patient, and you know, we got the two goals there that that ultimately, you know, uh, took us over the line. And another day, um, you know, we could have easily been caught there if you know, like um, if they had got a goal with eight or ten minutes to go, you know, they would definitely shut up shop completely then, and we probably wouldn't have been able to get the scores. But I, I always felt the very fact we were two points up there for a lot of the second half, it it meant that we could be patient and hold on to it rather than try to force it and give it. A Way and maybe get, get getting getting hit on the break. Do you do care about the spectacle, or do you just rather get the job done? I, I do. I'm a football man. You know what I mean. All, all my life, I suppose I'd be hypocritical now if I if I I. I I would have rather if that was toe to toe there today you know what I mean and but on the other hand like there'd have been fairly hard criticism if, if we went down the, the, the barrel of, of, of Louth's gun there today and they'd have picked us off and they'd have beaten us by a couple of points and you know the, the, the criticism would be then why can't you cope with the with the, with the mass defence and, and you know as I said the very fact we were a couple of points ahead today helped us maybe to, that we could be patient and things like that but look I'd much prefer if it was intend and, and you know what I mean that's that's what I was brought up in and I think you know I I prefer that but look needs most at times and, and you know at least we'll have another day out maybe to, to go to that but look it it, it was ultra defensive there today and, and I like we weren't I can't say it was Lout decided to play that way that was their that was their decision um, but if you ask me I prefer to be going gung ho and and the best team with, with with some tactics thrown in and and but like that that that's something I I wouldn't be uh, like to be watching myself if I was in the stand. And do you feel now after coming through that you're about prepared now for the final twelve? Uh, look, yeah, I, I, I suppose 
we, we wanted to get a win under our belt today um, you know it was a tough winter for us you know we 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 lost um, you know we lost the three or four league games at the beginning you know uh, we lost a lot of players through injury we lost our manager and it was a case then at the end of the league we won the, the two matches to keep us up in Division 2 to get us into this competition uh, we went out against Kerry and we gave it the best shot we, 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 we could I felt on the day uh, even though we were well beaten in the end but for 45-50 minutes we went we went toe to toe so and then today maybe is another step on, on the progression um, there's a lot of the lads there that we have this year it's they're they're in new and it's we brought them into the panel with the view of maybe that they'd be ready for next year the year after but they've got to be thrown in at the deep end so look um, you know being in the last 12 we want to go in now and hopefully give a good account of ourselves again next week and to be to be great if we could get over next week and, and get into the quarterfinals that's that's ultimately where we want to be and the likes of today and the likes of next week are all hopefully stepping stones and learning process that, that we can maybe in two or three years time that we can get up to Division 1 and be competing at the top table again Yes um, d- definitely yeah um, uh, Brian was 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 missed nearly all the league through injury and and is now he's just coming back into the you, you know getting fit and things like that so he's he's been only really training the last maybe seven or eight weeks at full tilt but you know Brian is a very good player and and um, you know I think he's a great prospect Brian's only twenty years of age so you know I I, I think going forward you know he is a point out for Cork. Any you have him back? Will he be available for selection next week? Um, there's fifty fifty chance I'd say you know just she was near enough to, 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 to be in right today but wasn't and um, it's probably an area that we know to our cost in the muster final that uh, you know if you lose a goalie it is a sub down and, and if it, you know when Michal wasn't 100% right there was no way we could chance him today you know John Cleary there speaking after his size victory over Louth in uh, the uh, in the Qualifiers, sorry, I'm getting confused there because I just instinctively uh, it's written down as Mickey Hart Tyrone, but of course it's Mickey Hart Loud, not Tyrone. Uh, but yeah, victory over Loud. Uh, just a quick look at the uh, Camogie ongoing. The Cork seniors are in Dublin, and it's uh, it's all level. It's Cork one nine, Dublin nine points. And the best I can get you is a half-time score from Parky Rin, where the intermediates were taking on Kilkenny. At half-time, it was Cork 5 points, Kilkenny 2 points. Let's hear now from uh, Mickey Hart uh, reacting to his side's loss in Parky Cueve to Cork. Aye, well, the goals were, were big scores, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I suppose we, our game plan was going well. Um, but I suppose for it to go perfectly, you need to stay and stay ahead, preferably. And we didn't stay ahead at a critical time in the game. Um, we missed a few chances to give ourselves that ability to make them still come at us. A stage of the game when they were able to hold back a bit, uh, it made it difficult to get the ball back. Then we did get the ball back. We had a, a few breakaway attempts, and we probably shot from places that wasn't a high percentage chance of going over even. So everything's critical in a close, tight game. Every possession counts. And probably we didn't make enough of the possessions that we had to work hard to get. Uh, We didn't probably make enough of them. But I can't fault their effort. I can't fault the way that they applied themselves to the game that we had. And um, 
Cork just ended up with more scores than us at the end of the game. Your impressions of Cork today, Vicky? How did you think they played? Well, I think we surprised them by the way we set up. And, and, and I think that was part of what we were there to do. And so they didn't have to deal with that very often. And probably won't want to deal with it much more either. But, but uh, we needed to be doing that to keep ourselves in the game. I think if we'd played toe-to-toe football with Cork, we've seen what they, they can do. There's lots of very good footballers in Cork. And with the space that's out there, I think it would be very difficult to, to, to hold them. So not for us to end up on the end of 2.22 again. We, we had to do. We had to play that kind of game today. And I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for them. But I think it will stand to them in the long run. Just on when you mentioned the way that you played, is that I'm not saying a template moving forward, but like with with the type of players that you had in the starting team, it, it suited to a degree that fast breakout um, approach. Like so looking at Division Two, like the step from three to four is probably not as big as the step from from three to two or from four to three. So like, is that something that you look about developing? Um, moving into next year necessarily? You have to have lots of things that you're able to do. It's horses for courses, it's it's how the weather conditions are, it's how the players you have at your disposal are on any given day, and and the opposition. So I think you have to be able to move to different stages of game. You can't go out and say, this is the way we're going to play football and we're going to play that regardless of what we encounter. You play the football that you need to play to suit where you want to go at a particular time, and that's not... And that could be within one game. You might have to change and flip it totally and do quite the opposite of what you start doing or vice versa. So it's a very fluid situation and we need to be able to apply different methods of play confidently and competently. And that takes time and effort. Just within the game, at <coughs> that time, like the, the situation you found yourself in, like, was that you know, a, a position of comfort for you necessarily that you thought was still well in the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Because the name of the game was to, to curtail them from getting plenty of scores. And then they ended up getting three points at the start, which wasn't in our script for the game. Then we had that breakaway goal, which after 18 minutes then, all their effort for the three points was negated. And that we were back in a good position then. This was the start of the game again. We were playing against the Breeze. Um, we were in a better position when that happened than I feel that they would have been. So, so yes... Um, we were happy at half-time. We would have been much happier if we had got more scores, which we probably had the chance to do. But we were happy enough that this is our game, game on. The game was over at half-time, practically against Kildare, so that had to change. You've gone from Division 4 to Division 3 to Division 2. You've taken load from where they were to where they are today, you know, within you know, <coughs> half of getting into the last 12 in the country. Do you care about the criticism, Mickey? You will get criticised in some quarters for the manner in which you play. But is this this is you doing the best with the raw material at your disposal? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's different strokes for different folks. And then you've got to play to the conditions. You've got to play to the players at your disposal. Like, we don't even have all of our players at our disposal at the minute. I mean, there's about six or seven players that we had regulars last year weren't even available to us. Uh, across the whole season and today like we had three or four men that would, would have started most of the games and weren't able to start and Anthony Williams hasn't kicked the ball for us all year and he was one of our better players last year so you have to cut the cloth to suit yes by all means and you know there's a lot of people who actually criticise certain styles of play I asked the question you know would you rather go to the game that was over at half time 
or go to one where there was a lot of intrigue about how you might be able to break down a defence or how you get score against a lot of numbers behind the ball. I, I don't like watching a game that is over as 2-12 to four points at half time. That doesn't entertain me at all, and I'm sure it doesn't entertain anybody. It may, gives you the longest second half you could ever dream of. But if we go and play this way and people don't like it, then maybe they need to open their mind a wee bit to look at the different ways of playing the game. Jordan McCarthy was our man in Porky Cui for today's uh, first round All-Ireland qualifier between Cork and Louth and a big win for Cork maybe not by the scoreline but certainly it's going to have a massive impact on Cork football this victory hopefully uh, 2-12 to 2-8 uh, not the best game of football uh, by any stretch of the imagination I, I believe Jar. Um No Aidan and that's pretty widely no it wasn't it was um a very defensive load that came to Leeside today. They put 15 players behind the ball. They all just stood inside their 45 and they forced Cork to come at them and it was not nice to look at. It wasn't an easy game, an easy game to watch. But look, as Mickey Hart said in his aftermatch press conference, the just I suppose, this is the way he has to play at the moment. He's missing a lot of players. They've come up from Division 4 to Division 3. They're going to be playing Cork and Dublin in Division 2 next year. And his point in his aftermatch press conference was, you know, if if I come out and play and we're down 2-12 to, no sc- to four points at halftime, the game is over. So he set up his team today, himself and Conor Devlin, to give Lowe the chance to be in there with a shout. And for three quarters of the game, they were very much in it. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't uh, a day for any kind of free-flowing football. But in the end, Cork did uh, just about enough, thanks to Stephen Sherlock and Brian Hurley. Yeah, it's just about to say the the two guys Sherlock and Hurley really stood up today, and uh, they're the, they're the two guys I suppose you'll always be looking towards uh, with the way this team is at the moment to try and raise that level for Cork and and get them through games. Absolutely, and the thing about Brian Hurley in particular, um, you know, Stephen Sherlock is an excellent free taker. He, he scored some absolutely brilliant frees and at a forty five today. But Hurley was well marshaled in the carry against Kerry in the Munster final. It was a very frustrating evening for him because the ball just didn't come his way. But he certainly showed up today, his goal and the way he took it, but also the way he led and kept it was a constant a constant menace to the low defence. He was constantly on the move, doing his best, trying to get through a very, very well marshaled, a well set up uh, defensive ranks. And when you're talking two banks of six players at, at, at certain stages. And like he and Sherlock and a few others as well, um, Colin O'Callaghan and Ian McGuire was, was in and out, did quite well. But very hard to be critical of the Cork team today because the effort was there but when you're you spend 60 minutes trying to break down you know a 15 man defence it's not easy and you need patience you need resilience and they had that but you know I suppose there's, there's a lot of things still to work on from Cork's point of view ahead of next weekend's second round but look considering the effort that was put in against Kerry a losing effort in the Munster final a win really was imperative for Cork football today as you said at the start um, the victory now gives them a shot they go into the, the second round of qualifiers it prolongs the season and a lot of players that would not have been at this stage at senior level um, are getting exposed uh, getting getting very very valuable game time so look not one for the purists today but the result it was all about the result Aidan and, and Cork got it I suppose Loud's biggest threat was Samuel Roy who was the, the top scorer in all of the, the National League uh, this year and uh, he was marshalled fairly well by Rory Maguire I believe who is a player I'm, I'm a really big fan of in the couple of times I've seen him play yeah, Rory put in another, I'd say, a confident performance again today. Now, it was a very unusual game from a centre-back in that he wasn't really marking Mulroy that often until Lowe's broke from defence. When they did break from defence, let's give them some credit. They were really, really 
sharp. They were very, very quick. They just didn't have the finishers. Um, and a lot, like the, the four changes to the team that was listed in the programme. And uh, Mickey Hart also mentioned that six or seven players aren't even available to them this year for various reasons. So look, I suppose Mulroy certainly was at the crux of all their best moments. Um, he, he kicked some fine frees. He kept them, you know, kept them in as, at one point uh, after... Um, Brian Hurley's goal, Cork were one eleven to one five ahead, but they kicked three points in a row. And it was only when Colm O'Callaghan uh, got, got Cork's second goal towards the end there. At that point, loads were certainly more than they were. They were making a game of it, which is really all you can ask in the situation that they're in. They've come from nowhere with respect. They've won. They've come up from Division Four. They've won Division Three. Um, up until they were playing Kildare in the Leinster Championship, you know they were pretty well beaten two twenty two that day. And Kildare scored against them. They were they were set up defensively today to do a job, and for much of the game they frustrated Cork. It, 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 their tactics worked. It's just Cork had that better you know sharp shooting and that better finishing towards the end. But they did make a game of it, and the crowd came to life uh, in the final quarter. Certainly with with a couple of goals going in, but there was a one stage there, Aidan, where Cork held possession for close to four minutes, and the crowd were pretty much doing it all a all a every time they were passing the ball. It got to that stage, which was incredibly frustrating to watch. But Cork won't care when I owe him. They're into the draw for the second round. And I suppose from John Cleary's point of view, as he said himself, job done. Exactly, yeah. What kind of crowd was that? Porky Cueve, uh, I suppose, the first game back in Porky Cueve since the, the, the pitch was relayed. Hmm. Well, uh, the, the one thing I would say, it's very hard to tell from the press uh, area because they're directly underneath us. But they, there was only one stand open today. Um, I think 1,500 tickets had been sold. So there was a minimum of 1,500. But it sounded like a lot more than that uh, when we were filing out afterwards, or during the match, and certainly looking at the crowd filing out afterwards. It was a decent crowd considering it's a bank holiday. It's a two o'clock throw in Aiden. So, I mean, yeah. a lot of families and people are doing different things. And it was it was odd just sitting in the press box because we were looking at the uh, the marquee and the beautiful marquee right behind the goal. Uh, and river dance was going on. You could hear the roars of the crowd and everybody enjoying themselves. It was certainly not the usual setting for, uh, for an All-Ireland qualifier. But this is where Cork football is at. We, we need the qualifiers to prolong our season. That's where the team is. And I think this is a good win. It's a confidence booster for a lot of young players. Chris Kelly as well. Let's give him some credit, the goalkeeper from Airog, because he made two vital saves in the space of a minute in the 49th minute. Um, at the at the point where it was nine to one four, and you know, load were starting to come out of their shell a bit, so he didn't do his his prospects any harm. Neither did Owen McSweeney when he was there and when he was on. Um, John Cooper, Roy McGuire, Matty Taylor. That is the first choice half back line now, and as well the full back line. Sean Potter was his usual excellent self. But Morris Shandy and Kevin O'Donovan, even though it's hard to judge them on a day when they had to do so little defending, they got up front and they joined the forwards as often as they possibly could. So there were positives to take for the Cork management team out of this game. But uh, never have I been in a more unusual setting. Never have I seen such, you know, a quiet crowd at one stage and then, you know, roaring as soon as the ball went in. It was almost more like a relief when the ball went into the back and after the two goals. But this is where we're at. Cork are in transition. They've won today. If they can win again next week, it would be fantastic. Um, it would take them into a quarterfinals of an All-Ireland, which is something nobody would have envisioged at the start of the year. And it's all about next year, and it's all about Division Two next year, and trying to get out of it. And today, although it wasn't pretty, although it was pretty frenetic and a difficult opponent, uh, and a very, very astute management team of Mickey Hart and Connor Devlin, they would set up well. They frustrated Cork for long periods, but John Cleary should take solace in the fact his team kept their composure. They didn't, 
panic uh, just when it looked like Loud might get back into it. It was only a very late goal from Conor Grimes immediately after Cork had scored their second goal to kind of put a glass in the final score. But look, I think Cork are still a very much a work in progress. A lot of young players to be blooded. Um, and But look, here we are on a Saturday evening looking forward to a second All-Ireland qualifier. The draws on Monday morning. It'll either be Limerick, Roscommon, Donegal or Clare and it's no easy game at all there, said the cliché. But this Cork team in its current life cycle, where they want to get to and where they're going, today was a very important win. And, you know, when you when you, when you get a victory under your belt, especially with so many young players involved, it's an important day. Yeah, like, and a glamorous tie in the next round might really, from the point of view of getting experience into the into the players, but also getting the fans out in force, if there was a glamorous tie, to, get, to maybe get them out and support that team. Yes, I mean, Donegal obviously would be the headline act, possibly even Roscommon. Now, Clare and Limerick, Cork know very well, they always give Cork problems when they play them, I guess, more than any game. If you had a home tie, yeah. that might stand to it. I mean, there was a, it sounded like there was a decent crowd in today at a very unusual time uh, in the middle of an afternoon of a bank holiday weekend. The weather wasn't great either, that's got to be said. And you mentioned the pitch earlier on. Let's give some credit where it's due because they've taken enough flack in the past. Yeah. The pitch looked in absolutely fantastic condition. Um, and certainly suited the teams today. There was no issue with the pitch whatsoever. But I think if you're asking for a marquee tie at home to Donegal, would certainly be um, would be one to whet the appetite. Definitely, it would bring out the crowds. But irrespective of who Cork is and where they're playing, they just need to put in a performance. They just need to put in another performance, match the scoring that they got today, if not exceed it, and give themselves something to build on. If they go to a quarter final of an All Ireland and get hammered, well, so be it. But this team is all about 2023. It is all about Division 2 and it's all about trying to get out of that Division 8 and that's what this group of players have to start aiming for because until Cork are back up in Division 1 regularly playing the big boys and getting that experience before the championship starts you know it's never going to be an easy task when you play the likes of Lowe and you play the likes of Limerick or, or clear any of these teams because they won't fear Cork and they don't fear Cork and even though Lowe set up very very defensively today they certainly respected Cork but they had no fear of them and um, Cork just need to start feeling good about themselves again it's too easy to be negative all the time about them there's lots of reasons you can be but we need to remember as well that you know this is an interim manager with a, a, a panel with a lot of injuries and shipped a lot of injuries had a very difficult league campaign but did just about enough to stay up at the very end and have come through today a very difficult and awkward test to reach you know the last 12 in the All-Ireland and if you'd asked somebody after three rounds of the National League do we think Cork would be in this position they would have said no so considering where they were and considering where they are, it's not where any Cork football supporter wants to be, but we're on track and we're getting there. It's going to take a bit longer maybe than we would have liked and we would have expected. But today is an important step again. We've got Sherlock, we've got Hurley, we've got Kyle O'Mahony, we've got some decent forwards and a lot of good young players to spring from the bench as well. And look, it's this is Cork. This is where Cork are right now in terms of a not even a footballing power, but a county that you know can reach the last twelve, possibly reach the quarterfinals of the All Ireland, and give it a go. I think that's. I think that would be a, a fair return, considering the way the year started, the season started. Um, I think a lot of people would, would take that. Absolutely, great stuff, Jar. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be looking towards that draw, and uh, it should be a, an interesting couple of weeks anyway in terms of of Cork football. Thanks a million. Thank you. Yeah, John McCarthy there after Cork's uh, win over Louth in the All-Ireland qualifiers. I must mention that uh, North Cork are the All-Ireland under-17 Celtic Challenge champions. Uh, they uh, beat Limerick Sarsfields 4-16 to 2-12 um, at the Gaelic Grounds. So a very well done to them. Um, 
congrats to them. Uh, the score in Parky Rin in the Camogie, uh, Cork versus Kilkenny in the intermediates, uh, well, Cork intermediates, uh, it's 1 3. Kilkenny nine points to Cork Cork leading there and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all those scores as well as the ongoings in uh, Dublin also after the break and coming up after the break Tom Savage joins us uh, he's the, from the three Red Kings to uh, look back on the Owen van Grand era at Munster which has finally come to an end after last night's defeat to Ulster and also Liam Maher is on hand to tell us all about the International Mixed Abilities uh, Rugby World Cup which is taking place here in Cork over the next uh, week or so so stick with us miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie corks red fm yeah, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7. Full time in Dublin, Cork running out uh, 5 points, 7 points winners, apologies, uh, against Dublin in the uh, Senior All-Ireland Championship. 210 to 9 points, the final score there. And uh, with 56 minutes gone in Parky Arena, it was Cork 10 points, Kilkenny 1-3 uh, in the intermediates. Uh, Galway looking to stop Kilkenny winning a third Leinster title in a row. Ashling O'Reilly previews. It's round two of Cody versus Shefflin. This time in the Leinster hurling final, it's Galway versus Kilkenny. Throw-in is at 7pm. The Cats made it through to the final despite losing to Wexford last month and Brian Cody has made four changes to his lineup. Hugh Lauder returns a full back in replace of Conor Delaney while the ultra-experienced Conor Fogarty will partner Adrian Mullen in midfield. While there are starts in attack two for Billy Ryan and Richie Leahy at the expense of Walter Walsh and Tom Phelan. There is still no starting spot for Porrick Walsh who is included among the subs along with Killian Buckley. Galway's 2017 All-Ireland winning captain David Burke was in a race to be fit after some suffering an ankle injury but he's named to start in midfield Porrick Mannion has also been cleared to play after suffering an ankle injury and Brian Conconnon who was in doubt due to a hamstring injury starts at corner forward the last time these sides met it went right to the wire with Galway edging it by a single point after a last minute controversial free was given the Cats are going for three in a row while Henry Shefflin will be going in search of his first Leinster title as Galway manager we're in for a cracker it's Galway versus Kilkenny in the Leinster hurling final here in Crow Park throw-in is at 7pm. Yeah, and just quickly also, um, Cork City Women's at Turner's Cross, unfortunately 6-0 down to Piemont after 80 minutes. Now let's get into the rugby. Uh, coming up later, we'll hear from Liam Maher on the International Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup, which is on in Cork this week. But first, Tom Savage from Three Red Kings joins us to look back on what has not been the best of years in the history of Munster, the Johan Van Gran era. Here he is. All right, I'm joined now by Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings. Um, look, Munster's season is over after a 36-17 loss to Ulster. Before we get to the fact that it's the end of the Van Gran era, the game itself, uh, what did you make of it? Uh, look, I, I thought the game itself was just uh, really disappointing. Um, I, I think I wrote before the game that you get a good idea of where Munster were coming into this game, mentally, uh, emotionally, I suppose, in the first five minutes um, error after error, and uh, almost from the look directly on the kickoff. That leads me to believe that the, the group coming into this game, the vibes weren't good, um, and, and it just seemed that there was a real lack of belief out there. And again, look, lads inside the camp might say different, but they didn't play like a team who believed that they could go deep into this playoff series. And I think that 
in itself, I think, reflects a lot of what we've seen from Munster over the last number of years. Um, again, a lot of the same same players uh, losing a knockout game. So not much there for people to be overtly surprised by, but at the same time, disappointing nonetheless. Um, the level of the level of performance just it just wasn't anywhere near good enough for what Munster are supposed to be about. And I think biggest thing that I've seen from people who've been on to me on social media over the course of the last 24 hours is just how let down they are. Um, and, and again, I think nobody wants to go out there and play poorly. and Nobody wants to you know, have a season that's kind of petered out as badly as this. But um, that performance, I think, was reflective of what has been quite a disappointing season it's been like a seesaw of a season you know where you've had like really bad defeats and really bad occasions and then like you had the occasion in the Aviva which was the highlight of a lot of rugby supporters lives regardless of the result and then you get this again yeah look I, I think you go back all the way through the season um, and you know I think a real high watermark actually was the performance of a lot of the younger players and lesser known guys uh, away to the Scarlet back in October of 2021 really good performance really encouraging but again you look at the injury to RG Snayman that happened at the start of the season that I think we're kind of seeing the knock on effects of that now you need to have your top end guys towards the end of the season Munster were missing RG Snayman Tyg Byrne Gavin Coombs only just came back although he played very well I thought last night uh, but again you look at the, the, the performances that have been there the home game against Cass but again You'd understand that a lot of guys just coming back in after being isolating all over the, you know, all over the northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere after that COVID incident. Um, then that defeat against Connacht, which I think after that, uh, Johan van Horn announced that he was leaving. There was a real bad vibe around the entire like club, province, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that Connacht game, I think, was something of a low point at that time just from, from the level of the performance and like you look at the because again you, you can lose a game and it doesn't necessarily have to be reflective of anything teams lose games all the time but the nature of that defeat certainly really hurt the, the perception of the team at the time and has kind of staggered to, you know uh, along for the rest of the season from there I think you look at the uh, loss at home to Leinster was again another new low in the season. It was just so such an insipid performance, so weak um, at home in Thoman Park. And now again, I know that Leinster were you know had a lot of top players there, but that's at, at home against Leinster and Thoman Park. That's not a game Munster should be losing in that manner. Munster went on a good run after that, as you said. There, they had that game against Toulouse, which was again I was at that game. That was a, a, a really a kind of a high point, I think, in the last year. But again. Munster lost that game so when you're talking about high points in games that Munster lost again that that kind of shows where things are you know and you look at the game since uh, beaten up by uh, kind of a Leinster third team uh, and then this game it just sees the, the, the season itself kind of just really spinning like air has been made out of a balloon ever since December uh, and that certainly is the impression that last night like that, that, that last night's game gave and, uh, you know, th there's a lot of tough questions now. Uh, and not just for Johan Van Kron and Stephen Larkin, but a lot of the senior players as well. Yeah, like it, it is the end of the Van Gran era and it's been 
a total failure of an era let's face it like to put it quite bluntly like is there anything you can boil it down to any one or two aspects where he has fallen down on in particular well look it, 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 it there's no escaping from the fact that it was a failure you know and that is unkind that's very black and white but that's the nature of pro sport Munster are a side who haven't won a trophy since 2011 any coach who comes in even in the sort of the hurried unplanned way that, that Van Cron ended up at Munster um, you're expected to win trophies and I, I think you can look at certain elements of Van Cron's style like I, for, I, I think that Van Cron is a very talented analyst of the game I think he understands very closely and, and, and has a very good grasp of what is winning rugby in 2022. But I think that his way of approaching it has, first of all, been hindered by recruitment. He hasn't been able to bring in some of the guys he's wanted to bring in. There are a number of different reasons for that. He would also point, I'm sure, to the injury to R.G. Stamen. That's a guy who could have a Will Skelton-esque impact for, for Munster, I think. Uh, when you look at how you know how much of an impact Will Skelton had for La Rochelle, uh, R.G. Snaman could be that guy for Munster. There are some guys you can't afford to lose. I think R.G. Snaman is one of them, as is Ty Byrne, and a couple of other guys. Munster had a lot of injuries this year, for sure. But I think it's not just about about Johan either. I mean, Johan has, I, I think you could say as well, been overly loyal to guys who he's backed repeatedly over his five years at at, at the province. And they have let him down over and over again, but yet they're selected regardless. Like, again, I, I think you look at last week, uh, I think Conor Murray and uh, Joey Carberry had two really poor games two weeks ago against uh, against that Leinster B team in the Aviva. But I don't think anybody had any question in their mind whatsoever that both would start against Ulster regardless. You know, to be given another chance and another yeah. chance and another chance. And, and I, I think like that's the kind of thing where if the same guys are losing, and again, you go back to when Munster lost to uh, Saracens in Coventry a couple of years ago, um, there's more or less the same team are, are, are the guys losing. And far a few fellas who were injured uh, during that game back in 2018-2019, like, it's more or less the same guys who are losing these big games over and over again. Now, when I say it's not just on Van Cron, none of this stuff just happened. I think you look at some of the academy development that was happening at Munster from around 2013 to maybe even 2017, 2018. Not good enough. Not what it needed to be. And, and that affects your ability to have a competitive side. But at the same time, there are young players here who I feel this season have done quite well. And there's just a feeling that regardless of how they play, regardless of how they train, the team is picked for knockout games months in advance. And there's not much that can be done bar somebody getting injured that will push you off the depth chart. And, and, and that is a bad place to be starting off. Is that one um, of the factors uh, that, you know, we up until this year, we really have not seen young Munster players, players from Munster getting through into the team. And Van Gran has, Van Gran has just been overly reliant on sourcing players from outside, in particular South Africans most of the time, to come in to the team rather than looking to the, to the youth. Yeah, look, I, I, I think you, you could certainly uh, accuse Van Cron of that. I, I think he would come up with, uh, to say, to look, that the younger players weren't ready. They weren't at a stage where they were you know, ready for the, the rigours of pro rugby. That might well be true. Uh, and again, I think there is kind of win-now pressure 
on Van Cron almost since the first day he walked into the job. Uh, you look at his first, he had, he had half a season in his first year on the job. Then he had his first full season. Replaced, had to replace Jerry Flannery and Felix Jones. Uh, you know, Stephen Larkham came in you know, at a fairly high cost, a guy with a fairly big reputation. Um, and that, that in itself is a, is a big hire for Van Cron to come in and, and make that. Um, that hasn't worked out either, I don't feel. Um, but you look at the, the younger guys, like I would say that what Munster produced this season, where for the most of the big games you had, uh, you know, Niles Scannell, you know, Stephen Archer, um, Peter Armani, Conor Murray, Joy Carberry, you know, a lot of these guys, look, these guys have been with Munster for a number of years. Great servants to Munster who've done more uh, for, for, for Munster in that time. Look, they, they, they have gone through hard times there. Would there be any mad difference in what Munster have done this season, which is finishing sixth in the URC, worst finish since 2015-2016, and then losing uh, a quarter final, which again, if this was under the old Pro 14 system, Munster wouldn't have qualified for the knockout. Like, there's no way to spin uh, how this season has gone. Would young players coming in and building experience, would that have produced any worse than what we saw I'm not sure to be honest I think I look at some of the young fellas who played this season and look some of them have been injured some of them aren't durable enough ultimately it just seems like that this was certainly an ending of things where a number of catch 22s catching out guys all over the place and it just seemed that ever since Larkham then Van Hron and then Ferreira announced they were all leaving midway through the season it feels like uh, air has been slowly going out of the monster tire and um, this game certainly was it had the feeling of that just everything just falling flat and you know I, I, I think that that's going to be the main takeaway really and look Van, Van Fraun is a, is a decent guy he's done his best obviously nobody can accuse these guys of not trying but it's the the outcome is and the, the, the I suppose the flaccid nature of that defeat to Ulster is what will stick with people most of all and it seems that the club uh, the province are in bad need of a reset um, and it just it, it can't really come soon enough Yeah let's look to that now I suppose let's try to be some way positive about it obviously Graham Rowntree taking over as as head coach and um, he's brought in a, a nice few additions to his own backroom team the most recent addition being Dennis Leamy uh, have you been happy I suppose with, with, with who he has brought in for next year to support him? I, I think genuinely the the coaching recruitment anyway has been outstanding um, you look at Mike Prendergast one of the most highly regarded coaches in France um, his work that he's been doing uh, his body of work not just at Racing but with Grenoble for the season he was with Stade Francais and then at, at Racing working with some of the best players in the game uh, I, I think he's been really really good uh, and some of the attacking work that all those teams have done and again you might say look it's easy enough for a side like Racing to play you know, exciting attacking rugby. That has not always been the case with Racing, first of all. But even then, this has been true when Mike Prendergast, wherever he's been involved with the attack uh, of, of any team, that's a really important hire. Uh, and I think Graham Rowntree, when you look at the guys who he was, because he would have been making his presentation to be Munster head coach based on these are the guys I would look to try and bring in. And for Mike Prendergast to come back in, 
um, that's a great sign. Dennis Leaney being brought back from from uh, from Leinster is hugely important as well. Andy Kiriakou is a guy who's worked with a lot of the younger players who will be the focus next year. I think one way or the other, we're going to see young players next season getting way more opportunities than we have been seeing. Not just because, look, I think the, 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 like the senior team that's there now, nobody could say that they haven't been given chance after chance after chance over the last five years plus. So there's certainly no excuse for not going, well, look, we need to give these guys another run. Andy Kiriakou has worked with a lot of these younger players uh, coming up in his role as the uh, elite uh, development officer for forwards. Um, so you, you look at that, and I think there's rumours of another coach as well possibly coming in. Look, I, I think Graham Rountree now, in the aftermath of how this season has played out, will get the best insight I think anybody could get as to how, first of all, this season kind of went off the rails, and then how to try to remedy, to, to remedy it. He's a guy who isn't going to be looking to try to bury his boss. You know, he's working yeah. under Van Cron and Larkham over the last number of, of years. Because yeah, again, I, I think there's been an, like some people have been trying to go, well, look, Roundtree's in the, is, is as involved in this as anybody. And that's true. But if you're signed in as a forward coach underneath the head coach and you, you're all working towards the same thing, you're not going to be knifing your boss. You're not, you're not going to be knifing the guy who you're working under. Um, and and that, that isn't Graham Roundtree. But I think he will definitely have a very different way of approaching things. And again, he's got the best insight that anybody could ever have in that he's been involved in these bad days as the season has kind of got towards a close from, we'll say, from April on. Um, and that is a huge insight. We'll give him a good view as to, well, on the training pitch, how did that go? How do we freshen things up? How do we change things up? And the guys he's brought in, like Kiriakou, Leamy as well, these are all guys coming from different environments, different camps. But again, Leamy, Prendergast, both monster guys, that's going to play a part as well. Because again, for me, I think the biggest thing is like how flat and unemotional Munster looked during these games. I know that's not analysis. We're out there looking yeah. at the time, guys. Who's passionate out there? It's very difficult to tell that, right? But like, you look at the, the way that they played, it just seems so flat and lacking in character. Uh, and that, for me, has been a constant for months over the last number of years where they don't die wondering in big games the vast majority of the time. And I think that getting guys who have that monster background could be a good step in building that back again. I think when you see Graham Rountree deliberately going after those guys, that like that gives you an idea of some of his thinking also. So, you know, you look at some of the guys coming in also, Fekatoa, Antoine Frisch, these are very, very good players. I, I still think Munster could maybe do with another uh, quality addition in the front row. Uh, supposedly it's not going to happen. I, I think the young players who are there are certainly capable of stepping up, but I feel a little bit more comfortable with a bit more size and power there. But look, I, I, I think that, you know, after this season, as is, it seems like a bit of a reversion back to 2015, 2016 and has to start building all over again. And that's certainly what, uh, you couldn't ask for a more cleaner state, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, so, like, hopefully those guys will be able to start bringing Munster back to being in contention, but at least going out swinging again, which I think certainly wasn't the case in this game on, on Friday night. Yeah, the the monster way, losing the monster way. At least if you lose that way, it's not so bad. But yeah, uh, yeah going out with a whimper certainly is not the monster way. Yeah, no. You, you you look at fans like everybody. Every fan expects their their team to win, but not everybody can win all the time. You understand yeah. that. But there's a way to lose a game as well, and that wasn't the way to lose any game uh, on Friday night. So insipid, so weak, flaccid. That's not what. That's not what it's supposed to be about. 
Absolutely. Well, hopefully it's going to be a big summer and uh, hopefully next season's going to be bring uh, a few positives and it's certainly going to be interesting with all those coaching additions. Tom, uh, super stuff as always and uh, I'll let you get back to, to God's country there down in Kerry. Thank you very much. Great stuff there from Tom. Now let's hear from Lee Maher ahead of this week's International Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup, which is on right here in Cork. All right, delighted to say that I'm joined by Lee Maher ahead of the International Mixed Ability Rugby Tournament here in Cork. Lee, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much, Aidan. Um, I suppose the, the tournament, uh, it starts tomorrow. Tell us, I suppose, just a bit about the tournament and uh, what, a, what a big occasion it's going to be. Well, this is the largest mixed ability rugby tournament ever to be held. Um, it is the third uh, edition of the tournament. We have uh, 28 teams coming from 15 different countries uh, and a total of 1,100 players, all descending on Cork. Most of them are actually in transit at the moment and the excitement is absolutely huge, Aidan. I suppose, uh, yeah, it's a massive scale, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. Uh, could you explain to us, I suppose, what mixed ability really means when it comes to sports and this rugby tournament? So mixed ability rugby in, is um, rugby um, played on a 15-a-side rugby where you have players with and without disabilities playing alongside each other on the same team. It's full contact rugby. And the only difference that uh, in, in the game that you would see normally, uh, let's say on the, the telly, is the scrums are uncontested. Um, so we have players with Down syndrome, autism, playing alongside players who have no disability at all. And it's just it's, it's inclusion in its purest form. It's absolutely, you know, it's a sight to behold, actually. Absolutely, yeah, it's brilliant that you know people with disabilities have this access to be able to play games like this, and also I can imagine it's um, it's really rewarding, I suppose, for people then who don't have disabilities that they they're a part of this and they're able to help those guys achieve their their dreams in a sense. Uh, absolutely, and they, but they also get they also get something out of it, and they they they, they come along to training, they enjoy the training sessions, they enjoy enjoy. Um, you know, I suppose passing their rugby knowledge on to lads uh, with disabilities, and and now we're, we're we're literally an inclusive team. We're, we're you know, it's literally just um, everybody playing on the same team, going to the same you know, I suppose into the same dressing rooms, and and just getting out there then and and performing to their best. I suppose then the tournament itself, as we said, it starts tomorrow. How can people uh, get to the games where they're on and uh, get tickets, etc.? So look, the, the, there's free entry. Um, you, we, we do uh, ask people to go on to Eventbrite and look up the International Mixed Ability um, or even go on to the International Mixed Ability uh, website, which is imartworldcup.org. That's I-M-A-R-T, worldcup.org. And log in. And book your free book your ticket, and then come along to support the teams. We have 21 games of rugby happening tomorrow, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, right through to 8 o'clock tomorrow evening. On site, we have catering, we have ice cream cones, we have you know entertainment. We have six bands playing out here for the day. It's just a fantastic day's um, uh, um, entertainment for everybody, and it goes Monday, Tuesday. Um, we have a break on Wednesday where all the teams will go and enjoy Cork and the hospitality Cork has to offer some of them are going on tours down to Mizzenhead and some of them are going down to Blarney Castle and then we have a 
the, the, the last two days of Thursday and Friday with the final. Uh, the ladies' final, the first ever mixed ability ladies' final, is happening at 4 o'clock on Friday. And the men's final kicks off at 6 p.m. And it's all in Musgrave Park. Uh, all in Musgrave Park. So Musgrave Park, we're using the pitches in Musgrave. We're using the pitches in Sunday as well in Dolphin. And on Thursday and Friday, we're over in Tremor Valley Park. A huge shout out as well, I suppose, to all our sponsors. We've been, we've been you know, really um, supported hugely by, by our sponsors in, in, in Cork and, and Ireland, where they've come on board. And not only have they come on board with money, Aidan, they've come on board with, with volunteers. We had to close our volunteer portal because we 450, 450 volunteers have signed up to, to, to um, help out at this event. Absolutely excellent stuff. Um, and tell us, I suppose, about the, the couple of Cork teams that are going to be taking part. So we have Sunday's Well Rebels, who were the um, winners of the, uh, I suppose, the inaugural team in Ireland. They, they started the, uh, back in 2014, went to the um, first mixed ability tournament in Bradford in 2015 and won that tournament. So they want to get back on that winner's podium. And then, of course, we have our own Ballincolly Trailblazers. And the Ballincolly Trailblazers are the first women's mixed ability team in Ireland. Now, we also have teams from down West Cork. We have the, uh, the, the West Cork Jesters coming from Bantry. And uh, we have two other Irish teams, and that is Malone, uh, Tornadoes, and the Banbridge Barbarians. Lots of Irish interests, you know, Aidan. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, like, and it's fantastic that, you know, the Bellancolic Trailblazers are on this world stage, that they've gotten this project off the ground and, and they're getting the recognition for it. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's, an, ama- it's an amazing turnaround to have them uh, coming. Um, I suppose Bellancolic Trailblazers, you know, they, out in Bellancolic, they've really embraced the whole uh, women's uh, rugby. They have, they have uh, girls' rugby from underage right through to, uh, to senior level now. And, and, and having the mixed ability team out there is just uh, uh, fantastic for them. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic week and uh, it's credit to everyone involved. It, it, it sounds like a fantastic tournament and uh, we wish you the very best of luck with it. Thank you very much, Aidan. And look, all I would encourage people is just if you if, get out to Musgrave Park at any stage during the week, there'll be great fun had out here. Fantastic stuff. Liam, thanks a million. Thanks a million, Aidan. Cheers. Yeah, fair play to Liam there and all the guys at iMart. That is it. Uh, we are out of time. Stevie G is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.